Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. I have a, a special place in my heart for Pastor CJ and Cheryl. Um, her name is Heidi. <laughs> if you haven't met my wife, Heidi, my wife, Heidi, Heidi, would you stand up? Just wave to everybody. Um, I don't know if y'all, y'all can see her, if you're joining us online, but I have been extremely blessed by this family, um, not just by being able to uh, receive their daughter's hand in marriage, but also in ministry. Uh, I've learned a lot about uh, what it takes to do ministry from Pastor CJ and Pastor Cheryl. Uh, I've learned a lot about uh, even areas in my own life I need to grow in. I was sharing some stories at men's retreat. Um, For the most part, I'll say what happens at men's retreat stays at men's retreat, right? No? Is that a thing? No? Just kidding. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I I, I was always a little bit more... reserved in life. I come from a, a, a family, a quiet family uh, of people who would rather not be noticed in life. And I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but that is nothing like Pastor CJ or Cheryl, right? <laughs> but it helped me because the call of God in my life was strong and I knew it was strong. Um, and, and to do what God has called me to do, I knew that I couldn't always sit back quietly and go unnoticed. And so there are so many times uh, in, in my time, even just after meeting them and knowing them, much less marrying into the family in which it has helped me to be able to grow into who God has called me to be. So my wife and I, uh, we live in Illinois. Any Bears fans in the room? Good, me neither. So just want to make sure we were all in unity. <laughs> if you're joining online and you're offended, I'm Sorry, kind of. But I think being on the same page matters, and at least I know we can get on the same page in that. Heidi and I have this ongoing joke all the time because I grew up in Minnesota, therefore I'm a Vikings fan. I know my, uh, hey, I got a couple of them. I was, if at least I know I got my mother in law, and right now that matters a lot. Um, but so Heidi obviously is a Packers fan, so she's chosen her dad's side. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll reserve, I'll, I'll keep my jokes to myself because at the end of the day, I want you to receive the message of Jesus and not what you're going to respond to me with. Um, but we've always had this thing in our marriage, this, this, this how do we get along on Sundays mentality, right? So we've always had this idea where uh, I started this early on in marriage partially because my best friend is a Packers fan as well. And so him and I had to function this way when we lived together in college. It is, hey, I might, I might not like your team. And you might not like my team, but we can both hate the Bears and we can agree on that. So, <laughs> so common ground matters though, finding a place of unity. And, 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 and I joke about that. But at the end of the day, um, my wife and I have chosen to follow the call of God with everything in us. And in everything that we do, we want to see God move in us and through us. But more than anything, we want to see God glorified in our lives. We don't want to point Jesus to ourselves. Like I said, I'm a quiet, reserved person by nature, or I used to be until I married into this family. Um, but with everything in us, we want to point people to Jesus because if we're just getting recognition or if people are just looking to us or people are just seeing us and we're not pointing people to Jesus, we're not actually being effective. So Heidi and I believe strongly in the local church. 
We believe strongly in the local church because that is what that was Jesus' plan A with no plan B. When he left the ministry to the disciples and they were to create this thing called the church, Jesus didn't jump out of that out of that plane without a without a without a backup chute. Like it was the plan. And so for us, we want to just be a blessing to you today. We want to be a blessing to the body of believers that has been planted in this region where they gather together here in Siren, Wisconsin on Sunday mornings. But more so, that local church, each and every one of you individually, as you leave from this place today, you are the church everywhere you go. And I think that it's actually kind of cool in this season where many of us have uh, maybe experienced something different than what we would have normally experienced. Some of us have experienced online church at some point in time over the last 10 months, I'm guessing, right? Like, like you almost can't avoid it. Uh, but I think it's really cool because, now I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an in-person. Like I love to gather with fellow believers. I love to worship together in one accord. I love to gather together. Don't get me wrong. But this whole idea that the church isn't the building that we meet in, but it's the people who make that up. And, and I think it's great for those of you that are joining us online. You get the opportunity of the same presence of God, the same experience that we get, the same infilling that is happening in the room where believers have gathered is infilling your home. I always like to try to uh, help direct language at the church that I currently work at to where, you know, hey, some people will say, hey, for those watching online. And I'm like, no, for those joining online, because you're in the same spirit we're in. We're worshiping together. And you know what's even crazier? But sometimes we don't see it, but like all of the other churches across the world that have met at some point in time today or maybe even currently meeting are worshiping the same Jesus that we're currently worshiping. We are gathered together. We are unified. We are united. And together we make up this thing called the church. You know, the one that Jesus commissioned to go and make disciples in the ends of the earth. You're a part of something so much bigger. You're a part of something so much bigger. This isn't just about you coming and getting your portion today. This is about you coming and being commissioned to bring somebody else their portion tomorrow. That wasn't even on my notes. Sorry. All right, let's get into the message this morning. <laughs> I'm preaching and I haven't even started. Um, this morning, I want to share a word that God put on my heart. It's called, When Miracles Miss Expectations. When miracles miss expectations. Now, you might go, that's a little bit of a weird title, right? You know, like we, we, we kind of want to expect some miracles and we want to see God move. But I, I have this message. It's called When Miracles Miss Expectations. And I'm going to describe that a little bit further here for you. Uh, but if you have your Bible today, would you open up to 2 Kings chapter 5? This is going to be my, my, the text that I stay in the entire time. So if you, if you want to go back and read it, I encourage you. I told the men at men's retreat, not that your pastor is lying to you, but you should always take notes and you should always go back and read it for yourself because you shouldn't just rely on his word. He's giving you God's word. You should go back to God's word, Right? Come on. There's one amen. One person's excited about God's word this morning. You can talk a little bit. It's okay. I don't, I don't really like to hear my voice that much. Verse 1 says, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor. Highlight that word high favor if you're highlighting your Bible. Because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. 
Notice it said, by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. It's funny because oftentimes we'll read that Old Testament and we'll only think about the Lord giving favor to the Israelites. Notice in this time, Naaman wasn't an Israelite. God was doing work in the Gentiles well before Jesus came, well before the Apostle Paul wrote to them, well before the church started to spread in the New Testament. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians, on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. I also find it, find it interesting that the prophet Elisha was in Samaria and not in, uh, he was in the, the, the portion of Israel that nobody wanted to be a part of. The, the, the quote-unquote half-breeds, he was in the place where they, they, they didn't want to acknowledge the value of those people. But I find that it is interesting that that's where the prophet of God was. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord, his king, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. And he brought this letter to the king of Israel. Notice, I'm going to get into this just a little bit. But he went to the king humbly seeking this king for answers in his life. He came with a gift. That gift shows humility that I am in debt to you for what I'm about to ask of you. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? See what had happened here? Is, is that the king of Israel was scared to death of what was about to happen because he knew that the fate of Naaman actually represented the fate of the king of Israel. Because if he couldn't provide what the king of, Israel, the king of Syria was asking for, there was a good chance that he was going to war and there was a good chance that he wasn't surviving it. So he tore his clothes and he cried out to God, who am I? Goes on to say, only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. Elisha is letting him know it's not up to you. It's up to God. It's not up to you, it's up to God. It's not up to you, it's up to God. And listen, if you came into this place this morning and you need a miracle, I, I'm here to, to, to pray by faith that you will see that miracle because it's not up to me, it's up to God. It's not up to you, it's up to God. And just like Elisha told the king, it's not up to you, it's up to God. May Naaman see, may the king of Syria see that there is a prophet in Israel and that our God is the God of all. So Naaman came with his horses, and he came with his chariots. I'm sure he was accompanied by some soldiers. 
And he's the victorious leader of the armies of Syria. And he's showing up to receive his miracle. So he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Elisha didn't even show him his own face. Didn't even show him his own face. He sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leopard. Are not the Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters in Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away and went away in rage. But his servants came near to him and said, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So when he went down and dipped himself seven times into the Jordan, according to the word of man, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Come on. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. Not the flesh of an old man. Not the flesh of a man who had been through battle. Not a flesh of a man who had been torn up. Not the flesh of somebody who had aged, but the flesh of a brand new baby. God restored his life. God, we come into this place this morning. We gather to hear your word. We gather so that you may be glorified. And God, I pray that as, as I communicate, as I do my best to communicate from your word, from your scripture, God, that it would land softly in the hearts of your people this morning. God, I pray that you would open hearts, that you would open minds. And God, that we would receive your word this morning. God, may it not return void. But God, may it transform the very innermost beings of our lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to point out four things from this text. Four things. The first one is this. Finding favor is found in faithfulness. We see in this, this portion of scripture that Naaman was a man that had found favor with his king. He had found favor with people in high places. He had found favor so that he could go and ask for a favor, right? He had found favor so that when he needed a favor, he could get a favor to go and do something that was extremely unconventional, to, it, to submit himself to a prophet in another land, somebody who we could potentially be warring with, somebody who he could have potentially gone to battle against in the future, like he found himself in this weird place where he had to ask for a favor, using his favor to be able to receive from the king or from the prophet in another land when he is this known conquering leader of the armies. And it says in here that Naaman was a great man of valor. When I looked up the word valor, I found that it means strength of mind or spirit that enables a person to encounter danger with firmness. It's personal bravery. And I think that often, I, I even hit on this last night with the men for a little while. I think that we've, we've lost some of our valor in the church. 
We've lost some of our courage in the church, and we talk about courage like it's this thing that is easy to accomplish, like it's this thing that's only needed in certain moments. And we've, we've narrowed it down to this place where, where courage is, is used only in instances or moments where there's a massive confrontation. And I would argue that courage, valor, strength of mind, and strength of spirit needs to be something that we're walking in regularly. We need to be able to have the strength of spirit to, to make the right next step in our lives, right? Because each and every step we take is a step of faith. And faithfulness in our lives will gain favor. So we need to have the valor, we need to have the courage, we need to have the strength of mind to do the next right thing. We're regularly confronted with this or that types of decisions. And oftentimes it just seems a little easy for us to take the shortcut. We want it and we want it now. We, we live in a social media society where I don't even have to wait. You know, there's no longer a 24-hour news cycle. There's a 24-second news cycle. And we've gotten so impatient. Like I'm used to getting everything on demand. We got fast food. We got Netflix. We got Twitter. Actually, I don't have Twitter, but some people have Twitter. <laughs> oh, I hate it. <laughs> but we have all of these things that are just readily available for us. And we've gotten to the place where it's like, if it's not available now, I don't want it. We, have it. we don't have to wait for anything anymore. We don't have to wait for anything anymore. Now it's got to the place where, like, even, like, at our jobs, like, if we don't get a raise within, like, the first week, ah, I'm going to find something else. Like, it's just gotten to this place where our expectations are just so insanely impatient. But I've, I've learned in my life that favor is found in faithfulness, and faithfulness isn't proven in a moment. Faithfulness is proven over time. Faithfulness is something that you walk in daily. And we need valor to take the next right step. We need courage to take the next right step. We need courage to go, oh, I, that shortcut looks really appealing, but it's not the right next step. Like, and, and so often in my life, I feel like this has been such a huge battle in, 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 in not just my life, but my calling. We're like, I know what God has called me to. But time and time again, I know that the next right step hasn't been the end step. And, and, and I'm going to get into this a little later. I'm getting ahead of myself. But the dream that God gave us is, is, is for something that is in the future. There's a process to getting there. But it takes strength and courage and valor to take the, the, the next right step. I can't tell you where, how, how often I've fallen into the trap of thinking that favor in somebody else's life didn't take time to get there. And then I, I, I get into that place where I attribute somebody else's temporary success to my own unworthiness or my own lack of favor. And I don't realize that our journeys have intersected at a weird spot in life where they're at a mountaintop while I'm sliding down the backside of the hill not knowing which way is up. But somehow I'm jealous of the favor that they've got in that moment and I look at it like it's a momentary thing. And at the end of the day, all I'm doing is, is entering into this place where comparison kills anything that could happen in my life. Because I got my eye on the wrong ball. I got my eye on the wrong target. 
I'm facing the wrong direction. God's got me at a different place in life. And their journey and my journey are two different journeys. And all I'm accountable for is my journey, what God has called me to, to take the next right step. But here's what I found above all else. You know, there's, there's times in my life, and, and, and God has done some incredible miracles. God has done some, had some incredible divine moments in my life. And I could testify to those things so much. But I got to a place where, like, I, I would always kind of get you know, depend on the next miracle. I would always depend on the next big breakthrough. And I would always depend on the next something else that God had to do in a moment to bail me out. And I found myself seeking fruit that I hadn't had the faithfulness to develop. And so miracles became the fallback plan that I relied on. And, 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 and though they're real and though they're needed at different times in our life because there are situations, there are seeds we haven't sown that we're having to face in our life. And I believe that God wants to overcome those. But there are different points in your life where God wants to favor you so that way you can walk in a direction of fruitfulness, but you have to be faithful. And I found as I look back at my life that the areas that I'm the most fruitful in, I can clearly attribute to those being the areas I've been the most faithful in. Because faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. And oftentimes we want that miracle fruit, but I'm telling you in your life, faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. So in your life, if you're looking for favor, you're going to find the fruit of favor in faithfulness. Naaman was favored by his king because he was faithful. He didn't get put in that position for, a, for, for no reason. He had to earn his way there. He had to gain favor. He had to conquer armies. He had to be promoted. He had to show himself to be a man of valor every step of the way. And that way when Naaman needed a favor, he had the favor of his king to ask for a strange one. Second thing I want to point out in the scripture, if you read verse 11, you'll see that a humble approach avoids a humbling reproach. A humble approach will help you avoid a humbling reproach. Often in our lives, we don't realize that when we go somewhere with a humble approach, if you look at the approach that Naaman took to his king versus the approach that Naaman took to the, the, the prophet of God, they were two different approaches. He approached his king with humility, saying, Lord, I need a favor. He showed up to the prophet's house in the chariot, basically demanding a miracle. He came into town big time. He had the parade. He had the horses. He had the, the soldiers. And you notice he liked the answer he got from his king, not so much the answer he got from the prophet. And oftentimes in our life, we fail to realize that the approach that we come with is shaping the response that we get. When Naaman humbled himself, he got the response he wanted. But when, Na when Naaman walked in with this high expectation maybe a little bit built on the pride and his status and his title, 
he didn't like the response. His initial reaction had him in rage. It had him in rage. And honestly, he wasn't going to do what the man of God told him to do. So the very thing that he had used his favor to get to, he was going to walk away from. The very thing he needed most or desired most, I shouldn't say needed most, desired most, he was going to give up on it because he didn't like the reproach. He didn't like the rebuke. He didn't like the answer that he got. And because he didn't like the answer that he got, he wasn't going to listen to the man of God. It didn't make sense to him. It wasn't comfortable. It wasn't good enough. How often do we do the same thing? Where we'll need a miracle, we acknowledge God in it, we pursue him to answer it, but we fail to realize the test or the effort that it's going to take to see it through. When we finally get an answer, we don't like the answer, so we walk away. Our own idea of how the miracle is supposed to happen keeps us from experiencing the very same thing we're seeking. Our own desire for how it's supposed to be ends up being the biggest obstacle that we need to get over in the process of receiving. Naaman didn't want to get into the water because he had better options. He had better options. And I can't tell you how many times in my own life I haven't wanted to get in the water because I thought I had better options. Because my expectations weren't being met. When what really mattered was is that my need was met, not my expectations being met. Now there's a, there's a couple of really good sermons out there that I've heard where, 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 where pastors had taught sermons that, that, that teach about frustration. And oftentimes you'll find in life, you know, frust the, the frustration you experience in your life is simply the space between what you expected and what you experienced. And, and, and right here, Naaman is enraged with his frustration because the expectation and the experience are completely different things. He had a better answer. The Bible is marked by unconventional ways of getting results. It's kind of what makes God who he is. He could do things that we didn't expect him to be able to do in ways that we would have never expected them to be able to get done. His ways are higher than our ways. Our rationale, or some, sometimes we like to call it common sense, you know, I'm, a, I'm a big common sense guy. I like common sense. I tend to think people need more of it. It only stops us from experiencing the miraculous, though. You think the blind guy was begging for Jesus to spit in his face? <laughs> really? Most places I've ever been, you get punched for that. What about Gideon? You think it was comfortable? Or even, do you think it was sensible to divide his army? Oh, and then to divide his army again? To whittle it down to nothing? Come on, that's not sensible. God, what are you thinking? That doesn't make sense. That's not, why should I do that? 
Or how about this? Do you think the Apostle Paul thought that prison was the best place for him to answer the call of God? I mean, God, you've called me to reach people. You've called me to minister to people. You've called me to build a church. You've called me to teach people. You've called me. Prison? Like I'm stuck in this cave being tortured. How am I supposed to minister to people? And yet, in his isolation, in his isolation, where he was not able to preach to thousands, he was not able to engage in crowds, he was not able to travel, he was not able to do all of the things that he felt called to do, he was restricted in every way, shape, or form. In his isolation, he penned the letters that shaped the church for thousands of years. In isolation, in an unconventional place to carry out the call that God had given him. And yet, we see time and time and time again that God can do what we can't. But oftentimes, our expectations that we put on God, that we call common sense, do nothing but prove our arrogance to think that we know better. What is your way? Really, what is your way? And why is it important? Some of us have financial needs, and we have this narrow scope of how God needs to meet them. Most of us think that it's going to be like a check showing up in our mailbox. Maybe God doesn't want to meet it that way. Maybe he's going to reveal a gift in your life. Maybe he's going to reveal a talent, an opportunity, an idea that you have to develop, that you have to flesh out, that you have to activate, that you have to carry out. Oh, wait, and then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you can, you can sell a product or you could offer a service or you could teach a class or, or you could do all of these different things with that gift that he put in your life that you can meet the needs of your family. Oftentimes we got the plan and we want God just to jump on board with our plan. We come to God with this idea of how he needs to meet our needs. And if he doesn't meet them the exact way we think he should, I'm out. Sorry, God. Guess I'm just going to have to go look somewhere else. So we withhold. We disobey. We, come to, we become defiant. Come on, defiance shouldn't be something that we should ever be able to say about ourselves. But unfortunately, I find myself in the church regularly finding people with this defiant spirit where they're digging their heels in. And if this doesn't happen, then, and it's just honestly from, like, from a few feet back, from, from, from a, pers- a different perspective, it's, it just feels ungodly, narrow-minded. Like, if this, then that, and it's such a strong statement. And unfortunately, we find our place where this defiant spirit has gotten within us. And honestly, the only thing it's doing is keeping us from, exp- from experiencing our miracle. It's keeping us from experiencing the very thing that we're seeking. Some of us have relational issues. But the prayer is always that they'll come to me. The prayer is always... May they take the first step. May God, may you change their heart. 
Mine's great. <laughs> you know, oftentimes I've found them in, in, in my life. Uh, I love my wife. We get along great most days. But oftentimes, like, I expect her to do things. You know, I expect her to change her heart. And it's unrealistic. Oftentimes, I'm like, God, change me. Change me. Change how I'm seeing it. How can I approach this humbly? Some days I'm good at it. Some days I'm not. I'm just being honest. I'm human too. I'm just glad I didn't get an amen from her on that one. <laughs> Don't ask God for something you're not willing to hear the answer for. Just facts. A humble approach will avoid a humbled reproach. Friends, you want his answers, not yours anyways. Your answers really aren't that great. I'm telling you from somebody who's found that out himself. Many times, many times. Pride's an issue sometimes for me. There's a dream in the room that hasn't become reality because there's a door that you're unwilling to acknowledge. Because it can't be that answer. It can't be that answer. There's a calling in the room that's unfulfilled. Because the first step doesn't resemble the final call. Or because there's been an experience in the past that has defined your future that wasn't meant to define who you are. It was meant to shape who you are and who you're becoming so that way you can be better than that. It was a learning moment. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a, a period, it was a comma. And you're allowing it to end what God has called you to rather than just be a marker in the road that you learn from, that you grow from, and that God got to heal you from. That God got to heal you from. Oftentimes, we don't like the first step. Oftentimes, we have this calling, this, this fulfillment that we expect to be immediate. But tell that to Joseph, who had a dream. And that dream was that he was going to be lifted up. And that dream was that he was going to be able to experience all of these, these, these great, incredible things. This dream was big. And yet somehow... He was given a dream, and the next thing we find, he's in a pit. Then he's enslaved. Then he's in prison. None of that looked like his dream. But every one of those things moved him along in the way that God had him in order to see that dream fulfilled. We define too many of our dreams by the first step. There are moments in my life where the answer I wanted was yes, but the answer I needed was no. And when clarity arrived, I'm so thankful for that no. The next, are you willing to hear the right answers from the wrong person? Are you willing to hear the right answers from the wrong person? Naaman had no business listening to his servant. He didn't have to listen to somebody who was beneath him. He didn't have to listen to somebody who quite frankly should have probably even spoken into his life. That servant very easily could have been in prison for just speaking to him. 
But I'll give Naaman this. And, and I actually really like the story of Naaman. I can relate to it. I got some issues in my life that I can learn from in this. But Naaman was willing to listen to somebody who was beneath him, to talk some sense into him. He was willing to listen to the messenger that God put in his, in his path. And today, I'm just a messenger. I had no business speaking to you. Quite frankly, I'm not that great. Quite frankly, I'm not that wise. Quite frankly, I'm not even a great speaker. But are you willing to listen to somebody today who might not be the right person, but they have the right message? There's some things that you need to be able to let go of. There's some things that you need to be able to surrender. There's some places where you need to allow somebody to speak into your life. There's some places where you need to be able to take some steps that feel like they're the wrong direction, but you know that you know that you know that you know that God has put this call in your heart. You know that you know that God has put this dream in your spirit. You know that you heard God in the light, so you're not going to doubt God in the darkness. You know that God has spoken to you, but you can continue to expect Him to make a way in the way that you want to go. When he's saying the answer is door number two, when he's saying the answer is that direction, but God, that, that doesn't feel like the right direction. Yeah, tell that to the guys in scripture who did some weird things because God told them to. I'm telling you friends, God's, God doesn't work in the ways that we work. God doesn't function how we function. Our common sense isn't so common to him. In fact, it's what makes him different. It's what makes him God. Are you willing to approach humbly? Are you willing to hear from him? Are you willing to listen to him? And are you willing to do it his way? Because your way's not working. Your way's not working. Your way's not working. Your way's not working. In a minute here, my wife and I want to pray for people. We, we've seen God do some incredible miracles in our lives. And we believe that because God has done them in our lives that he can do them in yours as well. So if you have a, a need today and you, you really need to experience a breakthrough from God, you need a physical healing, you need a provision, you need something, you need something today. We want to pray for you, and I'm going to open it up. I got one more little thing to teach before I lead into that, but Pastor CJ wanted a quick minute here before we get into that. But if there's a need in the house today, prepare yourselves. We want to pray for you. Amen. And I want to encourage you, um, in a moment, they're going to open these altars. And I just want to let you know that if you really need a miracle, I, I promise you... Um, these two really flow in the Holy Spirit. And not because they're my daughter or son, but because of what's in them. And, uh, you know, you heard me say the story of my daughter, I believe, when she was six years old, I believe it was, and young anyways, where she um, was in Colorado. We were pastoring there, just to kind of give you a, an overview we're pastoring there, and you know six-year-olds have a lot of energy, Gary. And uh, we had a revival service there in Grand Junction, Colorado, that the Holy Spirit hit my daughter at six years old so hard that she stuck on the floor. Renee, I kid you not. 
She's stuck on the floor for over two and a half hours. I mean, like she was Velcroed to the, to the floor, and God just poured his spirit into her. I mean, I'll never forget that as a little girl. And uh, God just filled her up with the Holy Spirit. She began to speak in other tongues, and God just put his spirit upon her life. And um, I'd say she's the next Joyce Myers, and her and Scott are a dynamic duel. So I say this to you. Don't be afraid to come to the altars here in a moment because it's the altars that God said, if you come to me, I will come to you. And if you really need a need in your life, I'm stepping out of the way. I'll let these two pray because trust me, when they pray for you, God's going to touch you. But in the meantime, I wanted to say this because we're going to go into the altar right now. But in the back, uh, we take what we do here is we like to bless our speaker. And men, for those that were at men's retreat, I want to encourage you to get involved in this. And my wife's writing out our check. At the end of service, when you leave, Jeff, our, our dad, or the ushers are in the back with the offering uh, bucket. And I want you to write out a check today for Adventure Church, and every penny goes to Scott and Heidi. But we wanted to, to move forward in opening the altars because I believe that God wants to do some miracles here today. I really do. And I know that we're on time. Mike, you can put it on electronic. Yes, you can put it on electronic. And then before I go, Becky, where are you at? Becky McConkey, if you're going to help Becky with the Valentine's banquet, she would like to see you right after uh, the service. But I want to encourage you. Seriously, you're your pastor. I normally don't do this. You know, I don't interrupt the service. But I know how God moves, Donnie. And I especially want you two, you and Heidi, to come. My daughter's name is Heidi. And I want them to lay their hands on you. They're going to part the Spirit of God in you because you're going into the ministry. He's sacrificed. He's stepped out of working. And he's totally devoted to his studies. And I want them to pray with you. Macy, I know you're here today. I asked Phil to bring, bring you here today. Because, Macy, my daughter wants going to pray for you. And I believe that God is going to do some big things in your life. And I told Phil, I said, Phil, make sure your wife is here today. Because my daughter has an anointing for you. And I, I'm, I'm pointing you out because I, I love you like a daughter. And I always tell you that. Yeah, I always tell you that. But she is going to lay her hands on you, and your breakthrough is going to come. And I, I'm getting ready for that. And I'm stepping out of the way. But, Macy, I felt that so strong yesterday. And I told Phil, I said, Phil, make sure you get your, your, your wife here. But your breakthrough is right now, right now. And God's going to touch you emotionally. He's going to touch you. He's going to free you up. And the reason why is because my daughter has, I told you that she has a very similar things that you went through. And she's going to break that off you today. God's going to touch you. And I believe that with all my heart. I believe that. And I'm saying this because in a moment, we're going to open these altars. But as you leave, the ushers are in the back. But if you need a miracle, I want you to stand to your feet. Because I want you to just come on, just stand to your feet. We're not going to pass the bucket. But if you leave and you have to leave, please make a check out to Adventure Church. And you can drop it in there with the, altar, the ushers. But Heidi and Scott, I want to give you liberty today. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I, I, if you really need a breakthrough, this is, this is your opportunity. It's, it's me stepping out of the way and letting God bring the miracle to you. Brett, you need a miracle in your leg. You need a miracle in your, in your leg. 
I'm telling you, you can come up here and receive your miracle today. Don't leave. I know the Super Bowl's on. I know all this. I know all that. And you get anxious and it's getting up to noon and all that kind of stuff. Your, your roast ain't going to burn. It's going to be all right. If you give God the opportunity, be still and know that he's God, he'll touch you. So if you need prayer, if you need prayer, I want you to make your way up here. Come on. And I'm going to turn it over to Scott and Heidi. Let me just, let me just say this real quick. Naaman was told to go seven times, seven times, seven times into the water, seven times into the Jordan, seven times. And, and I don't know, I wish the scriptures sometime would give me more detail. I don't know about you guys, but, but sometimes I just want to know, did, did Naaman start to experience his healing the first time? Was it like a gradual seven times? Or did Naaman have to go dunk number one? Oh, nothing happened. Dunk number two is the leprosy. Does my skin start to look better? Look better. Dunk number three. Like, was was at, after time number three, if nothing had happened, was Damien going to just give up? Because I think that that's where we get stuck. I think we've we've prayed for some things. One, two, three, four, five, even six times. And because God hasn't moved, we give up. Because we haven't seen a difference, we give up. But we don't see what God is doing behind the scenes. And I believe that there are answers to persistent prayers. Because I don't know if Naaman, you know, went time number one into the Jordan and saw a little bit better. And then it was really easy after that. And he could see some change and it was really easy. Because, friends, I don't think that's the way it was. I think that every the first six times in the Jordan were a test to see where Naaman's heart was. They were a test to see where Naaman's persistence was. And oftentimes we'll get done with time number one or time number two or time number three praying for something. And when we don't see results, we give up and then we, we just justify it and we get comfortable with it. And we start to go, hey, you know what? I can just tolerate this in my life. I can just tolerate this in my life. I'll live with it. I'll walk with the limp. Friends, that's not what God called you to. That's not what God called you to. So I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and, and, and pray. If you want to stick around and worship, you're more than welcome to. If you want to worship with us, if you want to join your faith with us, we're expecting God to do something incredible today. And so I'm going to invite the worship team to play, and we're going to start praying for people. But if you haven't responded and you need to respond, please do. Please do. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.